So, the bears really slaughtered those dolphins last night, huh? What? That's terrible! Who in their right mind would bring bears to the beach? Welcome to another episode of the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. Scooby-Doo, where are you? And it would have been mine if it hadn't been to those meddling kids. Gang, we've just been handed our next mystery. Blasted meddling kids. Scooby fans. I'm super excited for this week's episode because this week on the podcast we have Nick Pilatus, who of course played the role of Shaggy in the live action TV films Scooby-Doo The Mystery Begins and Scooby-Doo Curse of the Lake Monster. I don't think any more of an introduction is needed, but I had a lot of fun chatting with Nick and hopefully you guys enjoy listening too. How's it going? It's going great, Alexa. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Of course. So I typically like to start off with a quick three-question trivia game, if you're up for it. (laughs) I would love to do trivia. My dad and I watched Jeopardy growing up, and we're like a trivia tag team, so I'm ready, hopefully. Ooh, perfect. I guess it depends on the category. Um, well, all based on Scooby-Doo here. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, cool. Not like, what's the scientific name of the cricket? Because I probably wouldn't get that. Yeah, nothing nothing too hard. <laughs> um, so hopefully to start off with an easy one here, uh, what is Shaggy's real name? Norville Rogers. My goodness, I would hope I know that one. <laughs> Uh, And question two, what is the name of the book that the principal gives to Shaggy at the beginning of The Mystery Begins? Oh my gosh. Um, Wow, I actually don't remember. I remember he was a big stamp collector guy, but uh, yeah, no, I'm going to have to say in the last decade or more since we filmed it, I just don't remember. Philately is fun. That's it. Philately is fun. Yep. Hey, the stamp collecting thing, I got that at least. Partial credit. Definitely. (laughs) Um, And the last question for the trivia is, what is the name of the witch that created the lake monster in Curse of the Lake Monster? Uh, Velma, because she inherited or indwelt her, so I'm going with that. I know that's not the correct answer, but (laughs) that's the best I got. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Wanda Grubwort. There we go. Wanda Grubwort. It's like when you say it, it all comes rushing back to me. But until then, no. Fair enough. As you can tell, I don't I don't watch it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't watch it every weekend? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
So to start off the general questions, uh, what's your relationship to Scooby-Doo? Did you grow up watching? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I was born in 88, so I'm not, uh, I'm not too, I guess, young for Scooby-Doo, because I don't know. It seems like nowadays, Scooby-Doo doesn't have the same clout that it did back then, uh, back when it was, you know, original Hanna-Barbera, and, you know, we used to uh, watch Saturday morning cartoons were like a big deal. I don't think that's a big deal anymore, but I could be out of touch. Um, but yeah, growing up, Scooby-Doo was absolutely a part of it. I used to watch, um, all those kinds of shows, you know, I would watch the Flintstones. I watched the Jetsons. I watched, uh, Johnny quest. Oh man, that was good stuff too. So like all of those old Hanna-Barbera and, uh, shows of that ilk. Um, yeah, I loved it. And do you have a personal memory related to Scooby-Doo at all? A personal memory? You mean before I became Shaggy, like from my childhood? I remember, I think there was an episode about like the Bermuda Triangle that freaked me out pretty bad. I I really, really liked A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, that series. Um, and just the theme song, like, or the intro song to A Pup Named Scooby-Doo. Like, I could probably still to this day... Uh, quote it <laughs> I could still probably remember all the words um, yeah perfect um, and what was your experience for the audition process for the mystery begins man the audition process was weird um, yeah I mean auditioning you know the first audition is kind of just like everything else you go in now there was a bit more stakes in this one just because it was for Shaggy and Scooby-Doo and like who isn't going to freak out when they've got a possible audition for that um so i went in the first time and just did what i could for it and i ended up getting a call back and the second time i just i don't i don't even know if i can say it but i remember brian levant uh who was our director um said that he was like you just he needs to be more of a stoner type <laughs> and I'm, those weren't her, his exact words. I'm not going to quote them verbatim because I, I, that's like kind of just an easy uh, way of saying it. But uh, it was just hilarious to me because that's not who I am at all. And uh, and yeah, I guess Brian Levant just saw the potential uh, for me to be that and, you know, kind of went with it. And then throughout, you know, we I ended up getting, I think, another callback. And then after that, we went to a screen test and it was like a chemistry read with the other people. Um, Man, I don't, I even think, I think at the chemistry read, I think there was one guy there also playing for Shaggy that I was like, oh man, that guy's totally going to get it. He's way better suited for this. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I ended up getting it anyway. Uh, so yeah, I mean, pretty emotional when I found out I got it, but the audition process was just a lot of fun. And had you ever met Kate, Haley, or Robbie prior to the screen test? Huh. Um... I don't think so. I man, I guess it's possible cuz I don't know when you're when you're growing up in in Hollywood and in the actor circles, you do end up kind of meeting a lot of people provided you're in those circles. Um and since I was trying to associate there, uh I might have met them before at like a, a get together or something, a, a party that they were ha somebody was having, but uh, not that I specifically remember, no. We certainly didn't become close until the movies themselves. 
And you mentioned that you were, you thought that the other guy was going to get it, but was there a point when you felt really confident in your, in, in your audition and that you might get it? I mean, as confident as you can be, um, you know, it's, it's always a toss up because there's a lot of times that as an actor, you go into a room and you're like, I absolutely nailed that. Goodness gracious. I killed that audition. Like that was perfect. Exactly what I want. Everybody was laughing. And then you never hear back from them at all. And, uh, and so, and then there are the times where you're like, Oh wow, I completely butchered it. There was, there's no way I'm going to hear from them. And then you end up booking that role. So like, I was as confident as you could be. <laughs> uh, but again, it's it's best not to uh, to count your chickens before they hatch, I guess. Definitely. And what was your reaction when you did get the call saying that you had got it? I actually remember uh, pretty, pretty vividly. Um, I was with my girlfriend at the time. We were just hanging out and I got a phone call and I didn't know who it was from. Uh, just, you know, random number popped up and I answered it and they told me I got the role and I kind of said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, thank you. And I hung up and I like, I literally, I think I burst into tears, <laughs> uh, like happy tears, obviously, but like, it was crazy, uh, very emotional time. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, I, it's, it, I'm, you've got to have have had some of those moments in your life, right? Where something happens to you that you never would have thought would have happened. Definitely. Yeah. And what's your favorite thing about the character of Shaggy? Uh, I mean, honestly, just kind of the, the innocence with which he views the world, you know? Um, Shaggy, Norville, whatever you want to call him, is just... It, he as pessimistic as he is, cause like he's always afraid that something's going to happen or whatever. At the same time, he just, he views the world with such an innocence and he has such a great attitude as far as just always knowing, uh, knowing that he can have fun in any circumstance. And like, he doesn't ever let it really get to him. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like he's got PTSD or anything, certainly, which <laughs> you could, uh, yeah, he just he just approaches everything from a lighthearted manner, and and I really like that about him. Uh, and besides, I love food. Who doesn't love food? So <laughs> that's great too. And was there anything in particular that you wanted to bring to your interpretation of him? Um, you know when bringing when bringing a cartoon character to life, there's a lot of interpretation that has to go into it because you can't. I, you can't be a cartoon, right? But I, I just kind of wanted to to give all that same that same energy, but as realistic as it could be. And again, that same innocence and, and what that would really look like in a, in a human being, as opposed to in a cartoon. Still giving that character some some depth. I mean, obviously, you can't go you can't go too deep uh, in that kind of thing. But um, yeah, just. It, interpretive wise i just really wanted to be true to him while also bringing him more down to earth and uh shaggy's voice is obviously not your natural voice uh, how did you develop that like man i just watched i just watched a ton of the cartoons and like i tried my best you know um yeah kind of just i'm so rusty and i apologize if that offended your ears <laughs> 
uh i don't just like i don't watch it every weekend i don't practice the voice every weekend either um but i did for for a long time i practiced that voice i watched the cartoons over and over and over again and um tried to imitate casey Kasem as much as possible while still understanding that it's my voice and um it is a different take on shaggy in general so so yeah, I just kind of did that. I didn't do the Matthew Lillard thing because I heard that the way he got into it was by like screaming his voice out to where he didn't have a voice. And then what was kind of left was the shaggy. Um, I just kind of went into it. And, you know, just when I started doing the voice, I just fell into the character at the same time, you know. And was it ever difficult to keep that up throughout all of filming? Sure. Um, you know, especially there were there were some times where we would have to be wet and cold. Uh, there were some times when it was a, a really hot day and all of those things are going to change the elasticity of your vocal cords to a degree. Um, and so, you know, doing that, it was a little tough. And there were, I drank a lot of tea with honey. Um, it's an old trick that singers use too. Because um, I, I used to be in show and jazz choir and all that stuff when I was in school. But uh but yeah, just keep the vocal cords loose and limber and, and, you know, be able to sustain it as much as possible. But it was during that that I also realized exactly how much musicians go through. Because, <laughs> <laughs> man, if you are like a professional singer, musician, uh, whether it's, you know, Taylor Swift or any of the really popular singers, um, when you're on tour and when you're doing that 24-7 and your entire livelihood is based on your voice like i can't imagine the pressure that they must feel so for sure um and you touched yeah. on it a little bit but what is it like to try and bring a cartoon character to life in a live action movie uh, honestly it's it's great uh again you have to kind of understand your limitations but i was also i mean i i had brian levant for a director and he he'd done that before you know he he uh the, the Flintstones movie that he did uh, prior to our movies. He also, you know, did, he directed Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, uh, you know, even that, obviously he's not bringing a cartoon character to life, but in the premise of the show, he, you know, he, Arnold Schwarzenegger becomes like Turbo Man to a degree. And so all of those kind of things, the Beethoven movies, they're all, kind of classic kids movies that have a lot of energy and lighthearted just like cartoons do and so fortunately i just had a really really good amount of guidance and direction on how to get there and what it should look like and when it is such uh, a high energy movie is the atmosphere on set like that as well i mean it was for ours <laughs> i can't say for all because you know i haven't uh done any acting in quite a while kind of gave that up a long time ago um, but yeah, on, on our sets, it was, it was great. And there was, everybody was just having fun all the time as much as we could. Obviously you have a budget, a production budget, you, you have deadlines to meet and everything, but no, for the most part, the experiences there were amazing. And, and we always just tried to keep that energy and that fun going at all times. And what was the dynamic like between you, Kate, Haley, and Robbie? honestly i thought we got along great very different people all of us we all um have our idiosyncrasies and and quirks and everything else um and you know things that make us unique but 
we all went into it pretty well. And what's really funny is that, I don't know, I wouldn't even say that all of us who we are personally fit the characters to a T, um, but we all have had that in us, obviously, and could bring it out. And uh, yeah, just the dynamic between us, we, we were we were pretty close when we were filming. It was, it was a lot of fun and we always had a good time. And who would you say you got closest with on set? Probably, probably Katie. Katie and I have actually maintained a, a pretty good relationship. Um, even now, I mean, we still kind of keep in touch every so often. And um, Robbie and Haley, I don't keep in touch with them as much. I don't know if Katie does. Um, I'm still friends with both of them on Facebook and I love seeing uh Robbie's posts you know when he uh when he got married and now has a kid and everything um I was super happy for him and obviously saw that but uh yeah Katie and I have have got pretty close at the time and have remained pretty close as friends it's really nice that's awesome and did you get a chance to work with Frank Welker at all I did. I actually did get a chance to work. I think I was the only one that got to work with Frank Welker, um, which was crazy. And what a nice guy. Um, We were doing some ADR, uh, which is automated dialogue replacement. It's like after, after you actually shoot the scene, if for some reason the sound wasn't good on that particular clip, then you have to go in and they put you in this big, it's almost like a movie theater, like a private movie theater. And you have a little microphone and they'll play it back for you. And you have to repeat your lines as close to your mouth as you could. Um, and while I was there, Frank Welker was also there. Um, so I did get to meet him and, and that was crazy. And I still, I still have a, a picture with it somewhere in the deep recesses of my Facebook um, still have that picture with him. I think I put bunny ears on him. Cause why not? <laughs> um, yeah. Have you know, you know what Frank Welker has done, right? Like he's prodigious. Yes. In the industry. Definitely. Yeah. What was it like to meet him? Uh, honestly, he just, he's such a cool down to earth guy. He didn't, like there was no air of of superiority he just came at it with again all of that same kind of cartoon energy that you can have as a person and which makes sense cuz he's been doing it forever um but yeah he just he he made me feel like i had always been his friend you know that is amazing really yeah yeah he's a cool guy um, and in both of the films, you got to work with some really great actors in the supporting roles, like Nichelle Nichols and Marion Ross and et cetera, et cetera. Did you have a favorite to work with? Jonathan Winters was a riot. Honestly, that guy was hilarious. Um, he he was sharp as an absolute tack, uh, super witty, um, and... Yeah, he w- that was a that was a pretty cool one um to work with. Although the thing I will say like the 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 most freaked out I got, I guess, uh, or starstruck of any was on the Curse of the Lake monster, the prop master, the guy that like had the prop truck and was using it. Um I randomly went into his truck to get something and I think I ended up seeing the Freddy Krueger glove like with you know with the long claws and everything and i don't like horror movies i'm not a fan but that's pretty famous 
And I said, whoa, what is this? You just made a replica? And he's like, no, that's the one we actually used on Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, and I went, oh my gosh. That's the real glove? And he said, yeah. So not a person, but that was awesome. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and I got to try it on. And I again, I took a picture with it. And I still have that picture somewhere. But um, yeah, that was pretty fun. Awesome. And did you know, oh, here, a little piece of trivia. Did you know... Um, the guy that was like the stand-in, the mocap guy for Scooby on Curse of the Lake Monster, his name was Luke Youngblood. He was actually the announcer in the Quidditch matches in Harry Potter. Awesome. So he was Scooby. I didn't even end up finding out till later because I'm not like a, I'm more of a Lord of the Rings guy than a Harry Potter guy. But uh, I didn't find that out <laughs> until I think like years after we filmed it and I was like, Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> so. And out of both movies or one for each, if you had one, uh, what is your favorite scene? Oh, um, hmm. honestly, I think the part, like the first movie, by the way, I think is my favorite of the two. The mystery begins really was for me. I enjoy watching it more. Um, might have something to do with the fact that like the singing in the second movie, I was like, I don't, I don't love listening to myself on those ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but the first scene, the first movie where I just got to say like, well, it's nice to meet you, Scooby-Doo. That makes me smile every time just cause it's such a, a moment of purity. Like that is that's that right it was when shaggy met scooby for all intents and purposes uh of our timeline and yeah i really loved that scene definitely that is a good one and that that shirt by the way with cloud the one that i was wearing with clouds i got to keep that after filming it is it actually felt like clouds really? i don't have it anymore because i think eventually i ended up it got some holes in it from the dryer or something. I had to throw it away. But like that shirt, I wore it for years as a pajama shirt because it was so comfy. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yep. Highly recommend getting one of those. <laughs> um, and was there a scene that was the most difficult to film? There were a few. I really liked to do my own stunts in these movies. Um even though they were tough, uh, just because it, it was more fun. Um, so like everything from in the first movie where, you know, I, I fall through a almost Rube Goldberg type chain of events through into the trash can and then fall and then flop onto the principal's chair. Like I hurt myself a lot during that one. Um, when I caught the Frisbee in my mouth, I cut, I cut my mouth open on the Frisbee. Oh, man. uh, which wasn't fun. And then like the whole in curse of the lake monster, when I fell into the sand trap and had to pull myself out of it again. Uh, I just, I remember having sand in my hair and I had to, so much that I had to like wash my hair. I think practically a hundred times that night to get it all out. Oh man! So yeah. Yeah. I, I mad respect for girls for having long hair um, because mine wasn't even that long and just goodness gracious. <laughs> It's, it takes so much work. Definitely. Uh, and what was it like to do the scenes where, where Scooby would be present? 
Um, honestly, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. It, uh, he, you know, it would just, they would, they would bring out some, like, reference material to, like, show how the shadows and the light would affect his fur for CGI. Uh, and then they would bring out, like, this little stuffed one on, usually they would, like, have it on a pole. And you would interact with that during, uh, you know, one of the takes and then after that you just interacted with nothing but you would just remember what the blocking and choreography was like from when you had the stuffed animal in there and just kind of go with that and i mean fortunately i have i have a fairly good sense of imagination so it it wasn't that bad i i greatly enjoyed it okay um and you mentioned that you got to keep the shirt but was there anything else that you got to keep from the set of either of the movies um i mean oh you're saying i mean not really it was mostly clothing uh that i got to keep um memories kept a lot of memories (laughs) but i I don't know what else i would have kept per se can you give me an example uh like kate said she got to keep her flippers from the scuba scene um, and I think she said her parents have the little Huckleberry Hound uh, bobblehead that was in the Mystery Machine. Oh, interesting. Um, that's where that went. Damn that, Kate! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't remember anymore. I remember that shirt. I remember there were a couple, like I took a jacket. I think I took a pair of pants. Um I don't remember taking anything much beyond that, no. Oh, actually, we did get to keep our rollerblades from the second movie. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I have a couple questions specifically from uh, Mr. Begins here. Uh, What was it like to be able to film an origin story for Scooby-Doo? That was probably the part that tripped me out the most of the whole thing, was that... um, that it was an origin story. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the previous movies with Matt Lillard and Linda Cardellini and Freddie Prince Jr. And um, those movies and Sir Michelle Geller, didn't they kind of have a little bit of an origin story to them? Like, didn't they touch on it a little bit? Um, I think like there was like a flashback scene that, um, mostly in the second one with Scrappy, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, you know how these things go. It's not you can't ever have one origin story. I mean, even if you if you ever read comics or any of that, you know, comic books are known for having like multiple timelines and storylines for the same characters and heroes and everything. Um, but seeing that this one was like the fully fleshed out, like the whole movie was about the origin, it was pretty cool and pretty intense. Because uh, you know that that's probably going to become canon somewhat. And so I did feel a little bit of pressure from it from that standpoint. But just what was it like, you know, filming the origin story? It was it was awesome. It was a really big honor. And you mentioned the, the Frisbee, but was it what was the filming process like for that montage after Shaggy meets Scooby, like where he like steals your sandwich and things like that. Uh, wait, am 
am I getting the movies mixed up? Okay, the montage. I remember... So there's the Frisbee catch. There was the... Where I, like, ran around in circles. And we were, like, holding each other's hands. Kind of doing that. That was really awkward. Because that's harder to imagine. You can't, like... You know, because the physics involved in it is normally there'd be two bodies kind of pulling against each other and in such counterbalancing each other. Well, I didn't have a counterbalance. So I was kind of trying to like lean back as much as possible to make it look like there was a counterbalance, like Scoob was on the other end. But, and then also jump in a circle sideways. That one was weird. <laughs> um, and then for the Frisbee one, they did have me, like they put me on a dolly and they rigged up this little thing that I like laid my chest on the dolly. And then the Frisbee was on a big pole that had a motor on it so it would still spin and that's why it ended up cutting me because it had like kind of a sharp edge on the outside of the frisbee but they they just like pushed me towards it and then i just had to catch it in my mouth <laughs> um yeah so awesome and in the scene where Shaggy and Scooby spend the night in the freezer and then they're frozen in the morning, uh like was that like blue look accomplished with makeup or CGI or how did they do that? No, that was that was makeup. Uh that was actually I fell asleep in the makeup chair on that one. <laughs> um it was it was probably a good geez, how many hours was I in the makeup chair for? I wanna say it was at least two hours, probably probably more. My my gut instinct says it was four, but um, but yeah, I was in the makeup chair for a long time, and I just remember being really tired because I think we had shot late the night before, and so I said, "Hey, can I just pass out?" And she was like, "Yeah, sure," and so I did. And then I woke up and I looked, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm Mr. Freeze." <laughs> <laughs> it was cool though. It was fun. Awesome. Um, and then did you actually have to like walk around in that trash can for the disguise scene? Oh man. Uh, I, no, I don't think I, no, I don't think we did. I think they had other people walk in the trash cans for us. And then we just, because I'm six foot one, I wouldn't have fit in that trash can. Um, so then I think they just had it stationary and they they filmed us like opening up the lid and uh and then they just CGI'd it on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and for specifics for Curse of the Lake Monster, uh what were your first thoughts when you read the script with the, you know, played up romances and the Velma being the witch storyline? Um yeah, I mean, I was like, wow, they're really going here, huh? They're going, like, Shaggy and Velma, they're shipping it. Like, that's the whole thing. Uh, it surprised me, but I was like, sure, why not? Sounds like fun. It was a good script. I mean, the Altieri brothers are... It was... I I really liked their writing. So, uh, so yeah, I was, I was just excited. I was excited to get to see everybody again after the hiatus we had previously. And, um, yeah, I'd script was great with a character who's as awkward as your version of shaggy is what was it like to <laughs> act shaggy when he's being really interested in velma i mean again it goes back to that innocence thing and like look we've well anybody who's old enough has had a first crush and like what that felt like um i remember man i 
I remember, I mean, my first crush was a girl named Joanna. I was six years old, uh, living in San Pedro at the time. Um, my dad was Navy, so he was stationed out here and she was my first crush. And like, I remember still kind of the innocence I felt in that. And I think, I think at one point we even like played sleeping beauty. And I think I, I think I kissed her and woke her up, right? And this is like, I'm six years old. It's not a real kiss, but still technically my first kiss. And so it kind of just like, I went back to that and and the innocence of that moment. And like, even though I had a crush and there's quote unquote romantic feelings as as much as a six-year-old can have, um, I kind of just went to that and, and put that forward for what Shaggy could experience too in his first crush. Perfect. Yeah. This is going to be really weird, by the way, if Joanna happens to remember me and now she like hears this interview and goes, oh, my gosh, he remembers when we were six. That's going to be weird. (laughs) Maybe just a little bit. Right. And at the beginning of the movie, there's Shaggy's like dream sequence after school gets out. Uh, Shaggy does the limbo. Can you do the limbo? So I'm actually... Well, maybe not as much anymore because now I'm 32 and like, you know, <laughs> I'm practically over the hill at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I was always pretty good, uh, flexible wise, as far as back bends go and everything. So I, I, I'd like to say I'm pretty good at the limbo. Awesome. Why do you want to challenge me? Uh, sure. Is it going down, Alexa? Sure. <laughs> Bring it. Uh, and what was your reaction when you found out about the various different musical numbers that were in The Curse of the Lake Monster? <sighs> yeah, so, again, I like to consider myself a singer. Like, I actually really enjoy singing. I've been told I have a good voice. And so I was excited about it at first. But then they said, they said, well, the first one, we're going to have you do it in the shaggy voice. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's going to be tough. And then the second one, uh, the I Can Be Scared With You one, originally, I liked the sound. They had like a test run of it that they did through a guy that was like actually good at that genre of music. Um, and it sounded great. I loved it. And then they said, well, you guys are going to film or uh, record it. And I was like, what? That's way higher than my vocal register, man. Uh, and they were like, we'll make it work. And <laughs> I'm glad they made it work. It's not my favorite thing to listen to my own voice on, but you know what? Yeah, so um so I don't know. I mean, I was down with the idea. I just it was a lot tougher than I expected. And what was it like to try and sing in the shaggy voice? As I said, it was not something I was used to doing. Um but at the same time, I mean, since that I, and I've kind of always liked doing voices, but since doing that and becoming comfortable with it and everything, I uh, I now just love doing voices in general. I tell a lot of jokes. It's one of my favorite things to do is make other people laugh. And, you know, if you ever get a story or a joke where, you know, well, an Irishman, a Spaniard and a Frenchman walk into a bar, it, it helps so much more when you're able to do some semblance of an accent on all of them. Uh, and then, like, even for my daughter, because uh, I have a daughter, um, but even for her, 
you know, when I'm reading stories with her, when we're reading books together, I do what my dad did for me. And I always make a different voice for each of the characters and like really kind of bring the world to life. And uh, she has this, this stuffed animal whose name is Rainbow Bunny. And uh, I've made a whole persona for him. He's sarcastic and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of rude at times, but he's a silly little thing. And um, she honestly, sometimes she'll even not want to talk to me. She'll just want to talk to him. <laughs> so like, yeah, no, I'm serious. Sometimes she'll be like, Dada, can I talk to Rainbow Bunny? And I'm like, but... <laughs> and then i'll be like yeah sure and so then she'll end up just having an hour-long conversation with me as rainbow bunny it's a thing that's adorable so like yeah so i'm really grateful for you know the scooby-doo thing and really getting me comfortable with doing voices and and being silly uh, and can you also play instruments as well because um there's a lot of sequences with you playing ukulele and guitar and various different things. There's a lot of sequences with me faking it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, uh, man, I really wish I could play the piano. Uh, and I, I actually maybe can play a little bit. Like I'm fairly comfortable on the piano. Again, being a singer, I can at least sight read music. Um, I'm not good by any stretch of the imagination, but no, I'm not. The instrument I play is the the trachea, so to speak. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I was brushing up on my research here. So in the special features on the DVD, you mentioned that you have quite a bit of rollerblading rollerblading experience. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I learned actually also in San Pedro is when I learned to rollerblade um, when I was about five or six years old. And uh, then later in my teenage years I actually bought a pair of like like aggressive skates and I would go to the skate park and grind rails and you know go up and down the half pipe or whatever and do whatever tricks I could do I didn't get great at it but I've rollerbladed a lot I've skied and water skied and so so yeah I felt pretty comfortable on them awesome was it an easy transition then to go to dancing on rollerblades Definitely not. That's totally different. Um, but I definitely had it easier than Katie. <laughs> I'm sure she, if you asked her that question, she probably told you about it. Yes. Um, she did, she did not like her time on the rollerblades <laughs> or on the roller skates. Oh, Katie Kate. Um, and out of all the musical numbers, do you have a favorite? including the like side musical numbers with like the rap and the uh, other sequences. Um, you know what I actually liked, I really did like by the light of the silvery moon. Cause even though it's, it's weird and it was tough to do singing in the voice and everything at the same time, it's just so sweet and so pure um, that whole sequence and, and dreamy and everything. I mean, kind of has a similar feel, I guess, to Moulin Rouge where, uh, during the that sequence, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Not come what may. What is? I forget the song. Um, but like, there's the whole floating on the clouds and all of that. Uh, just, just pure and lovey dovey and happy. And what was it like to go into rec a recording studio to record the songs and doing the rehearsals for the choreography? Um. 
I mean, that felt pretty normal. It's just all all par for the course for an actor, right? Certain things we just kind of have to do and get used to doing. And uh, recording studios were definitely different. But if you've ever done any sort of vocal work uh, or voiceover work or anything, it wasn't too bad for me. I mean, Haley was a pro at it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad. I think I think it felt really comfortable because it was it was the four of us together. And so it wasn't weird. Perfect. Um, and I wanted to talk about the stunts a little bit more. Um, did you, were there any that you didn't do? Um, honestly, I think I did. I think maybe, no, that wasn't even me. That was Robbie. Uh, I'm sure if I went back and watched the movies again, that I could maybe pick out a few that I didn't do. But off the top of my head, I think that I probably did all of my own. Awesome. With maybe the exception of one or two, but I don't remember what they would be. I'm just trying to give myself a buffer zone <laughs> in case I'm wrong. And uh, was there any that took like a ridiculous amount of takes to get right? The sand one took a lot of takes. Uh, the trash can one took a lot of takes. Uh, those those are the two biggest. Um, yeah, I don't think anything else really took a lot of takes. It was just those two that were pretty difficult. Lots of different. I think they shot a couple different camera angles on them, and each each angle we did quite a few takes of. So, yeah, it might also just be that those were the most rigorous and potentially painful ones. Because like one time the trash can fell over, and they were pulling it with like a steel bar, and so like it fell over forwards and so I toppled over forwards and my back my spine went straight into the steel bar which wasn't a lot of fun Ugh. so maybe I'm just remembering the pain and thinking that it took more takes than it did who knows <laughs> and does it take a lot of confidence to be able to you know throw yourself into that trash can uh I guess you could call it that um yeah, no, it just it, you just do what you have to do. When the director says do it, you do it. And I mean, again, I was raised by a military guy. So when my dad said jump, I said, how high, sir? Um, you know, always used to taking direction. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say confidence. I just say willingness. Definitely. What was it like to be able to recreate those more classic Scooby gags in the second film with you know, like unmasking some classic villains and the I can be scared with you sequence and like running through the doors. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was very cognizant of it happening when it was happening. And, and we all just enjoyed it thoroughly because, yeah, I mean, those are classic gags. And so it was fun. It was fun shooting them. But most of that stuff, the magic's done in post. And so it was it was way more fun seeing it put together at the end. Um, yeah, the payoff was was much better there. Definitely. Um, and what was your favorite thing about being part of a Scooby Doo project? Honestly, uh, I mean, at the time, I have to say I was more focused on, you know, myself and what it could possibly mean for my career and all that stuff. Um, but in the subsequent years and, and ever since that movie coming out, or even our first premiere, which we had a we had a premiere in a theater over in like Glendale, Pasadena area and seeing 
all of the people so excited about it, or even when we went to Comic-Con and people were lining up at our booth just to get autographs. And um, I think that was the biggest payoff for me. Uh, the biggest part of excitement about the whole thing was seeing how many people got smiles because of something that I did. Um, even just a few years ago, uh, I was... Um, I was transacting business with, with a person and he recognized me uh, and he said, oh my gosh, wait, Nick, are you the, I just have to ask, are you the guy that did Scooby-Doo? And I was like, yeah. And he said, you have no idea how much joy you've brought to my family. And like that, that's crazy. And now I, I have this, um, you know, a fan on YouTube by the name of Simon and uh he just seeing him and like how much i was able to like give him inspiration and everything through something that i don't even really consider a big deal for myself you know it was just i was doing a job and having fun doing it i think that was what really made the whole experience for me and what was it like to be part of a franchise that has such a legacy did you ever think about it and how it would still resonate today uh yeah a little bit um being part of a franchise that has the kind of clout that scooby-doo does is cool and you know i i honestly i think that more people have been to the moon than have played shaggy <laughs> um which is kind of just like a cool little factoid i sometimes throw around um but uh but yeah it i don't i don't know if it ever really manifested in in a big way that i considered it would um because it is such a big franchise so i think that i think that it just feels kind of normal to me now <laughs> And why do you think that Scooby-Doo, which is, you know, just at its core, a cartoon about a mystery-solving dog, uh, why do you think it's held up for over 50 years? Um, I think I think partially because it transcends generations. You know, the, the adult generation sees it as something from their childhood, and um, kids today now see it as something from their childhood. And I think the fact that it's just continued to go on and on because it's innocent and fun and and happy and you know all ages can agree on it i think that that brings a lot of people together um and that's what it, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point you know your parents have good memories of it so they then teach it to you and then you then teach it to your kids and as long as it's still on there it just keeps going definitely um and there was supposed to be a, a third and possibly fourth film i think after lake monster um, and even though you're not uh, involved with acting anymore, if they suddenly called you wanting to reboot like an adult version of your cast, would you take it? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would. Um, if nothing else, just to have all that fun again um, and, you know, get to see Robbie and catch up with Robbie and Haley. And as I said, I keep in touch with Katie, but um, but yeah, just just to have that experience. And I mean, why not? I mean, would you? Oh, I totally would. <laughs> See? I don't think anybody would turn that down. That'd be ridiculous. I 
think that covers all of the questions that I had for you here. Is there anything else that you wanted to add at all? Uh, no, this was, I mean, this was a pretty big interview. I feel like we covered a lot of topics. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, uh, if you feel like you've gotten everything, I certainly feel like, like I've shared. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I think, I think I'm good. Perfect. Um, and just before we end, do you have anything at all that you want to promote or any ways that people might be able to get in touch with you if they wanted to? Um, no, I mean, I don't really have anything to promote because, uh, you know, again, I'm not really doing the acting thing anymore. Um, I would just say, you know, in light of all the craziness that's happening around the world right now with uh, COVID-19 and everything, I just, you know, encourage each uh, everyone to to kind of take this time to learn what... what um, it's the antithesis of divides. I can't, I can't think of the word right now, but what unites us, there we go. Uh, take this time to, to learn what unites us and what really makes us all the same as people um, and not focus so much on what divides us. Um, Cause that just, again, is going to be more of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The, the further we go into division, the easier it is to, to be even more divided and create a bigger dichotomy. So um yeah, that's all I'd say. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Nick. Yeah, absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to uh, come up with all the questions and, and chat with me as well. And that concludes today's episode. Another huge thank you to Nick Pilatus for taking the time out to chat with me. For more groovy content, be sure to check at UnmaskedSD on Twitter at Unmasked SD Podcast on Instagram or at unmaskedsdpodcast.com. You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo Podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. Thanks for listening and keep an ear out for the next episode. Scooby-Dooby-Doo!